Hey everyone, before we jump in, Miles and I are so grateful for all of your support and we want to remind you all to always dive within the limits of your training and experience and always follow the advice of your instructors and dive masters. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for formal dive instruction. We are thrilled to have this space to share our stories and experiences and thankful we get to share them with you. Stay safe out there and have fun. Welcome to Dive 3, everyone. Uh, Again, I'm Miles. I'm Jake. And we finally worked a class together. Yes, I know. It was super fun. I, yeah. And it wasn't, it was completely by accident. Yeah. So I had a, another instructor reach out to me from the shop and say, hey, I got sick. Can you come uh, work this scuba review for me? And I said, absolutely. Sure. No problem. So I coordinated it, got everybody there. And I happened to know Miles was going to be in the pool that night. So I texted her and I said, hey, uh, I'm going to be at the pool. You're going to be at the pool. You know, isn't this great? She said, yeah, it'll be awesome. <laughs> I get to the pool and she goes, hey, oh, by the way, how many students do you have? I said, I have six or seven for this. Yeah, um, you had seven. I had seven for this scuba review. And she said, oh, great. I've just got a private. So when I'm done with my private, uh, I'll come over and help you out. And I was like, that's awesome because I know privates go super fast. So you were probably yeah. going to get out of the water about the same time I was going to get into the water. Yeah, because to... I was on the last, so I was finishing up with this private. Yeah. And so I knew it was going to go pretty fast. But at the same time, I was really glad that Jake was there because, so we use a high school pool and we have to put pool covers back on. And if you've ever done pool covers, you know that like, it's not a one man job. They're super heavy. There's six of them. They all weigh about a yeah. thousand pounds. So I wouldn't, I've had to do them alone or with students before, so I didn't want Jake to have to do that. So I just stayed and helped him out, but it was, it ended up being a really good thing. It was awesome. She was there. Um, as you guys probably know, if you've done a scuba review before you, you may or may not just get a random assortment of people. They, their last dives, you, you, you sort of, it's a coin toss, whether Mm -hmm. or not these students have, uh, dove recently, how much they remember, all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, the, the, the out of water stuff went great. We did, we did a lot of, you know, we had a great time talking and getting, you know, sort of understanding where everyone's dive abilities were and what trips were coming up, putting our gear together, getting into the water. And once we started to descend to do our first set of skills, that's sort of where the problems start, which is usually where if someone's going to forget something about diving, it's on that, it's that first time they put their head underwater, uh, you know, the first time they get back in the water and sure enough that happened. And, um, you know, basically it was great because it was great that Miles was there because Miles was able to finish up with her private and then come over and help me out uh, with a couple of students, a couple of the scuba review participants. I feel weird calling them students just because they are certified divers. So it's always like, yeah, but they were students for the moment. Yeah, they were, they were my students for the moment. So Miles was able to help me out um, with a couple of students that, you know, we were able to split up, split up the group a little bit and and, and give some individual time to those who needed it. Individual attention. I think the individual attention was definitely needed for some people. So it was good and it was cool, you know, getting the opportunity to co-teach with someone who's like already my best friend. And so I already kind of know where his head's at underwater and what he's thinking. So when you have those opportunities to work with people that you are already super close with, definitely take them because it'll like nine times out of 10, it'll probably be a really good experience for you. And it was, um, I, I learned something from miles and it was funny because we had, 
I had a dive master in training uh, sort of shadowing me. And there were times where Miles and I were talking to each other with very complicated hand signals because we've dove together before. We know how we, we know enough about each other's diving styles and, and sort of posture that we can talk very quickly. And he's looking at the two of us going, what? What is did going you, on? Yeah, what did that you just say to me? What did you just say? It was say? funny and because what do you want me to yeah, do? Yeah, like afterward, we did have to go over with him some of the things we were trying to tell him underwater because yeah. I was talking to Jake and Jake totally understood me, but the dive master didn't. So that was kind of interesting to know, like, oh, maybe you should slow down yeah. for a new person that doesn't know you. Yeah. So one of the takeaways for me, um, you know, the, the takeaway from the the class, the biggest one is always for especially with scuba reviews. Remember that you have to teach down to the um, lowest common denominator of ability. So if someone's been out of the water for 20 years, you're teaching to their level, even if the other six or seven or whatever you have, have, you know, they're just doing this because they need to get the cert- they need to get the credit so they can go on a trip or something like that mm-hmm. and don't have to spend the first day yeah. doing a refresher course when they get there. Yeah. Um, so that's that. You know, that's takeaway number one, and then takeaway number two is if you're working with someone who isn't familiar with the way you work and isn't uh, necessarily as experienced as you are, you may need to slow your hands down. Yeah, um, for sure. Because <laughs> even when we got out of the water, he was like, "Hey, I think I understood what you said, but what yeah. were you trying to tell me?" And I went, yeah. "Sorry." Yeah. Um, no, definitely good takeaways. And I thought, like at the end of the day, I thought it was a really good class, and I was proud to see Jake in that, you know, instructor role. Like I know he's taught reviews before, but a lot of the stuff that he learned in the IDC definitely came out. So yeah, it was cool to like see that and see how you worked after that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do my first class officially as an instructor. Cool. Okay, so some thoughts and ideas that I have been having lately are about how divers differ across the board based on like styles and standards, which I'm sure you saw throughout the IDC, as well as lately, we've had a lot of canceled dives. So I've been thinking a lot about dive discretion, yeah. like diver discretion. That's actually that's actually funny because I have too, especially with the IDC, like just literally yeah, for so sure. recent. So it was something I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. But I want to start with canceling dives. Yeah, I think we should. We're literally, we live in San Diego and we're sitting here watching a rainstorm pass overhead. Obviously. It's snowing in the mountains right now. It's snowing in the mountains. And sa- <laughs> so, um. So we're obviously not diving. We're not diving right now. <laughs> we um, should be. In some places you can dive when it rains. I've de- dove in the rain. It's actually mm-hmm. kind of peaceful. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, maybe another time I'll tell you my Cozumel rain diving story. But, but shore diving? Yeah, shore diving in San Diego, not so good when it rains. Um, there are environmental warnings about runoff and stuff like yeah. that. So we don't dive when it rains. The other problem is whenever we get a storm, it churns up the bottom. So you can't see anything. It yeah. is the worst. So uh, Unless you go pretty deep. I think, super, I think yeah. if you went past 50 yeah. or so feet once you sort of get past yeah. the open water limits into like the advanced yeah. and stuff like that you can you probably can in deep diver stuff um then you can probably get some better visibility but yeah. for like teaching classes and for just fun diving it just isn't as much fun yeah um, and teaching is very difficult if you have limited visibility yeah which it makes you a better teacher and it makes them better divers but it doesn't mean that it's 
the safest thing and it doesn't mean that it's fun either shout, shout out our all of our hawaii and florida dive shops that just get to teach all the time no matter what uh seriously uh, must be must be nice except for hurricanes um, except well yeah hurricanes in florida yeah, that's it. there is that um so our shop this weekend canceled all of the classes going out to the ocean uh in, among them um produced caleb's class so he hmm. will not be going out to the ocean this week which means we may have to delay our post class <laughs> certified diver interview with him so For we'll sure. figure out about, we, it probably won't be next episode but it'll probably be the one after that yeah. um so miles we talked a little bit about san diego but talk me through like when you were in costa rica what were you thinking about there yeah so we did dive in the rain there we usually didn't start out a dive in the rain. Like if it was raining when we left, we probably just wouldn't go out. Um, depending on the customers that we had, you know, it just like depends really. Like if those customers want to go out in the rain. Um, we usually went deep enough that at about like 30 feet, everything breaks up. So during the rainy season, it, that's just the way that it is in Costa Rica where that first 30 feet, it's just nothing. It's a lot of sediment just everywhere. It's called a halocline for, you know, those of you that um, don't really know, like, or don't really remember the technical terms. Um, it's this layer of fresh water sitting above a layer of salt water. Yeah, and when they mix together, it's yeah. no visibility at all. So usually if we got down below 30 feet, perfect, it was fine. Um, but otherwise... Some things that we would cancel for, for sure, are major, major storms. So even like a lightning storm, thunderstorm, we would definitely cancel for those. But during the rainy season, it also made night dives really difficult to do because of the visibility being what it was at the surface. Oh, yeah, sure. If you can't, if you don't know where you are, if you can't orient for those first 30 feet on a night dive, I mean, it's one thing to do it during the day where you sort of have that like sunlight, you sort of know, but at well, a night dive, like... What, I mean, that's got to be virtually impossible, yeah, for, and especially I mean, for a diver that's not... Yeah, and I mean, for, like, the instructors and for the professionals, we definitely could have done it. Yeah. But then the other thing that you're playing with when you get out there at night in the rainy season, rain comes in the afternoon and the evening. Uh, and so we could get absolutely drenched and poured on if we were out there. And most of the time, we were about, like, 20 to 30 minutes offshore in a very small boat. Mm, very, so that, that sounds very like small fun. boat. So it just like it was never really a great idea for us. Um, so I would say that is relative to what we have to deal with with canceling dives yeah. in San Diego. I mean, in San Diego, yeah, it's it's the it's late winter, early spring, mm -hmm. where we get these storms coming in off the ocean and yeah. they churn up the water. They they pile up the waves. We get you know overhead waves, which we usually don't see in the in the summer and fall yeah. and winter. Um, and then we get these storms, which create a lot of runoff. So, so it's just a reality um, of teaching here. Yeah. But it is really nice to know that no matter what, if we want to cancel a dive, we are always backed by yep. the shop. And the shop usually cancels before we even have to. Yep. And so that just feels good to know that we are never being put in a dangerous situation for ourselves or our students. Yeah, absolutely. Um, perfect example of this. Uh a while ago, I was the dive master working with an instructor for an advanced class. We were going to do three dives that day. The first dive being our night dive. Then we were going to do two other dives. 
And the uh, first dive was a night dive because they started so early we, yeah, in the morning. So we got to the we got to the ocean very early. I think we got there at like four a.m. <laughs> it's super dark. It's low tide, or uh, yeah, it was it had just past low tide, so tide was coming in. I think it was and this time last were year. Pretty sm- were pretty similar, and and the waves looked okay. You know, it's dark, so you can see what you can see. We took our tor- um, the instructor and I took our torches out there, and we were looking uh, looking to see what we could see, mm-hmm. and it looked okay. So we geared up and got in. The things you can't see from the shore are uh, longshore currents, for example, which uh, by the time we had gotten our fins on, we had been swept about 300 yards down the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't see that the waves are building because you can only stand there for so long. So by the time we were coming in off our night dive, the waves had built to about five to six foot. Oh. I remember and, I was out there that yeah, day. Yeah, you were you were at the shores. You had you had some dives to do later in that morning. So I ended up carrying one of the students through one of the one of the uh, smaller students. I had ended up just carrying her yeah. through the surf, got her out of the water, and and um, not that she wasn't a strong not that diver. She wasn't sw- strong. It was just She's, the waves were that big. Well, and she just physically shorter. So like yeah. I'm physically shorter, and so it does make getting through surf like that much more difficult. Just it, based on stature. Yeah, it's very funny for me to watch, but it's not funny when they're my when they're my students. When it's Miles, I don't care. When it's my students, like obviously, I know I care everyone's a lot always more. watching me get churned. Around. It's well, come on. I mean, you just and I always just throw. like come up with the okay. You're like, just like, oh, okay. Uh, so we come out of the water, and the instructor and I uh, walk up to. A, I think you were part of this group. There's a group of yeah. instructors gathered down by the water who were assessing whether or not to go ahead with yes. that morning's dives. The entire there shop. The there entire, were like four or five like classes. Like the whole shop so was watching it, you. You know, there are five instructors <laughs> plus our course director at the time was there. Oh, man. Um, and maybe five or six dive masters and, and dive what masters in training. What a crowd to walk up to. And all of, uh, all of them were gathered there. And the instructor and I walk up to that group. And, and I think our course director said, so um, how was it? <laughs> and the two of us who had just gotten our asses kicked by the waves look at them and go, you can go in if you want. We're, con- we're done. <laughs> no, it was so <laughs> funny because within he's... five minutes, everyone had turned gone. around, packed up, and left. Because it was like 6 a.m. I remember Jake being yeah. like, do you want to go to breakfast? I said, um, no, I don't think anything's open. <laughs> there was nothing open. Everything was so... But the that other instructor, I, he came up to me, yeah. and he was like, pack it up. Yeah, just get out. Just go. Go. <laughs> um, there was no way we were, anyone was taking classes. They were just waiting for someone to be the first person to call it. And after the beating we took, we were happy to, to, to give that. Um, you know, the instructor and I just sat there for about 45 minutes going, damn, that was hard. But, um, so, you know, the, the takeaway here is, you know, there is, you should always be in a, feel like you are in a position as an instructor and as a dive master that if you are not comfortable with the conditions, you should feel comfortable, A, canceling the dive and B, that your shop's going to stand behind you when you do it. Yeah. Um, we are very fortunate that we work for a shop that trusts that we will, if we cancel a dive, it's because we feel the need to, and it's because that we have given it our professional opinion, and we do not feel safe. Um, I know, and we just don't feel like it's going to be a good experience yeah, exactly. for new divers. Exactly. I think that that's a big thing. Is just saying like, I've seen divers where their first experience is really difficult. That doesn't make them want to get back in the water. Right. And 
So you want to give them the best first experience possible so that that bug bites and they're ready to get back out there. Exactly. Our, our first job is to keep our students safe. And our second, second job, job is to make sure that they have fun. Facilitate fun. Yeah, exactly. So I would just say, you know, I've worked for multiple different shops and I have definitely had some issues with saying like, I don't feel comfortable and the shop not backing me. And now being in a situation that's a lot better, I highly recommend that find a shop that respects you and your opinion enough to back you when you say that something's not safe or you don't feel safe or you don't think your customers are going to be safe. Absolutely. I 100% I agree with that. So I want to move it on now to styles and standards. And when we talk, when I say styles and standards, what I mean is like obviously there's a standard that we teach to, mm -hmm. but within that there's so many styles yeah, of how we sure. can diff do different things. Like mm -hmm. mask clearing, I've seen it done a hundred ways. Yeah, there's always you know different ways people have of doing things and teaching things. Um, so with that, I kind of have I a question. Yeah. yeah, I have yeah. a question for you. Okay. from the beginning. So there's the way that we do it, yeah. and it's easiest for us. But do you only teach that way or do you teach multiple different strategies for a student to meet the standard? So when I'm, when I'm demonstrating something mm -hmm, or when I'm about. talking someone through something, I'll say, this is the way I do it. And I'll tell, I'll show them the way I do it. And yeah. then I'll also, and then I'll say, well, okay, but you know, in case that doesn't work or that doesn't feel comfortable for you, or it's easier for you to do something else, here are some other ways. Things I can think of that might be uncomfortable. Um, regulator recovery. Yeah. If you're reaching back over your shoulder with your right arm to grab that regulator, not everybody has the shoulder flexibility no, to do that. Definitely so not. you might teach them the spin. So they, if you spin to your right, your regulator will at some point, ideally, float in front of your face. Yeah. Um, or you can do the karate chop sweep mm -hmm. method. I think um, most and that people is the technical do, term. Yeah, I think most people do the karate chop sweep, yeah. definitely. But it was interesting when I started teaching with this shop now that everyone taught so many different strategies yeah. and styles to meet a standard, which was really cool to see because in Costa Rica, we only taught one style and that was kind of it. This is the only way. Yeah, and it wasn't that this is the only way because they were very, like, okay with people having different styles of diving, but I just don't know if they had all of the information to teach these different strategies for meeting the standard. So I'll give you a perfect example of the styles versus standards question that comes out of the IDC that just, or the excuse me, the, the instructor exam mm. that I just had. Mm -hmm. um, in every instructor exam, there's what's called a skill circuit which is five skills picked from the, basically it's a pool of 24 skills. Mm -hmm. And in pretty much every skill circuit, you're gonna get a hovering skill, you're gonna get CISA, controlled emergency swimming ascent, yeah. uh, which might be called something in the other, in the other systems, but it's, yeah. it's, this, it's always the same thing. Yeah. And then a couple of, usually a mask skill and then something, a couple of other skills. So there's five skills total. But the hovering one is where I want to go with this because everyone does hovering slightly differently. <laughs> and when I was in the pool for the instructor exam, it was a cold day. So in, in addition to my wetsuit, I had a hooded vest on to uh. keep myself warm. What that meant, though, 
was that I was super bottom heavy. My legs were super heavy relative to my torso, my chest. Yeah. So I couldn't keep a good horizontal hover. And I had realized this in the IDC. So for the IE, we were lined up in a line and everyone was doing this sort of horizontal hover. You know, they, they looked very cool. And I, I looked at them and I went, if I do that, I'm going to fail because part of the criteria is that I'm not doing a lot of sculling with my hands yeah. or kicking with my feet. Yeah. So I said, well, the standard is I have to hover in place motionless and not touch the bottom of the surface. Yeah. But they don't care how I do it and they can't take points off for me doing it a different way. So when it came time for my turn, I did this, you know, I demonstrated, okay, let all the air out of your BCD, add little bursts of air till you start hovering. But instead of going horizontal, I did the Buddha float. I uh-huh. crossed my I crossed my legs and and uh, and, and floated vertically, and um, apparently I looked super ninja according to one of the <laughs> one of the other candidates in the pool. With Everyone me. who does Buddha always looks really cool. I looked really apparently I looked really good. Man, I can um, always do I can always do the Buddha without a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. But if I have the wetsuit on, I'm just too buoyant and I end up being upside down. That's actually really fun. So your legs are, are my too buoyant yeah. So I always end up upside huh. down if I have a wetsuit on. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's 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 the obvious. It's the opposite for me. And the reason I have good buoyancy in the ocean is because I wear a dry suit, so I can just put a bunch of air in my legs mm. and leave it there. And yeah. uh, and and that keeps me perfectly. Apparently, I'm very bottom heavy, uh, hmm. even even in a dry suit. Um, so. You know, perfect example of styles for standards. Everyone did this perfect horizontal hover. I did a perfect Buddha, and we all got fives on the skill. Yeah. Out of five out of five on the skill. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about styles versus standards on when we're teaching is, especially with mask clearing and mask skills in general, a lot of students are not comfortable just yeah. ripping their mask off. Like when we demonstrate the skill, we do it slowly, but there's a clear level of comfort of us taking our mask off. We just, you know, we mm-hmm. flood it, we take it off, and then we sit there, and we're super comfortable. You mm-hmm. open your eyes as if you're in the pool or if you're in a really clean I don't ocean. open my eyes. You don't open your Ever. eyes? I open my eyes all the Ever. time in the pool. I in the pool, I open them all it. the time. I um, hate the chlorine If for so no other much. reason than to show off a little bit. This actually happened a couple of classes ago where I had a student who was not comfortable taking their mask off and needed a moment and when we were briefing the skills when we even before we got in the water at at some point before we got in the water the instructor and i both said if you guys ever need a second just to like collect yourself mentally just give us you know the one finger like hey wait a minute give me a minute you know just just hey pause i can do this i just need a second you know to collect my thoughts so every time we asked the student to do a mask skill they would give us the hey hang on a second yeah. mentally prepare themselves and then they did the skill perfectly every time but i was talking to an instructor who said well that's not you know they shouldn't be doing this it should be comfortable and i said well it was comfortable they just needed a moment to collect their thoughts well and just can to you go name, over you know, like... and, and and to and, and to learn the skill can and and you know absolutely give them the moment of comfort yeah. and then can you name a moment in the ocean where they're going to need they're going to need have to rip off their mask and then put it back on without thinking about it for a second. They kind of sat there for a moment and went, you know, that's actually a really good point. And there's no standard that says they have to be comfortable doing it the second you say they have to do it. Mm -hmm. They just have to do it repeat comfort, fluid, and repeatable. Those are the three criteria that 
you have to be able to demonstrate the skill. They're- well, and that's why, like, I always tell my students, I use, I think I've talked about this before, but I use the triangle method with students. Oh, with the anxiety, the, the anxiety, anxiety triangle. triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I tell my students, like, day one, I'm like, okay, this is completely new for you. And 100%, you probably will feel anxious at some point during this class. When that time comes, if that time comes, this is your sign to tell me because I find that students are much more comfortable when they can actually communicate that anxiety and you get a lot less pop-ups. Like I have had way less pop-ups and conversations at the surface since implementing the anxiety triangle, which has been extremely helpful in more ways than one. We'll put a link to the Patty blog that demonstrates the anxiety triangle in the show notes. Um, Because it's something that came out recently and it's only starting to be adopted. Um, I don't do it. Miles does. It's a personal preference. Um, But whatever you do, I think it's definitely important to reinforce to your students that it's okay if you need to take a beat to collect yourself before you do a skill. We're we're completely fine with that. Well, I think just giving students a tool to communicate that they need a minute. Yeah. If you just tell them like, hey, give me the stop. Yeah. Yeah, just give me, give me give a Give me the stop give or like a, hey, a, slow, hey down. Yeah. slow down. Any tool that you can give a student that allows them to communicate more effectively underwater is going to make them 10,000 times more comfortable. And like none of that is going against yeah, standards. Right. It's just a different style. And so exactly. that's exactly like the triangle is a different style of how I teach as well. Yeah. Um, by the way, guys, this would work so much better if we had a camera because we're giving signals <laughs> in like, we're, 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 our hands are going we're nuts doing, right like, now. We're doing like crazy hands our, our hands are going nuts right now and you can't see any of it. So yeah. sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe, maybe on future episodes we'll start like recording, even if we just recorded like but a I mean, space Yeah. And also like, goes. if you just look up like, try, like anxiety we're gonna, we're triangle gonna the, We're going to put it, we're going to put it in yeah. the show notes. We're going to put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so I want to move on a little bit. So you've obviously worked in a couple different environments you worked in the tropics in costa rica you Mm -hmm. worked in a colder environment in san diego um colder in reference to the water temperature not Mm -hmm. the air temperature um you know what sort of what what were the differences when you're thinking about um teaching in in these different so there are so many differences and it's wild i would say like the main difference is that in costa rica and in the tropics in a destination area, Mm. people are coming for vacation. They don't have a ton of time, but at the same time, they have weekdays open. And so you can do things like back to back to back to back to back. Whereas in San Diego, we're doing things like on weekends and at nighttime. And, you know, we get to use this beautiful, like huge high school pool. Well, in Costa Rica, and I'm sure in other places, one, they might just use a confined bay, like a confined, like oh, sure, clear yeah. water area right yeah. off of the shop, right off of the deck. They also, so for us, we use a public swimming pool. Oh, sure. So, whatever, whatever you can get. Well, yeah. and there were like public swimmers like everywhere. <laughs> and we're doing like a scuba stuff, and yeah. we had to like let the pool know. But there are swimmers everywhere. Little kids would come up. I would have weights down to mark where students had to go. Little kids would come up and take them. Oh, my God. Like little swimmers. <laughs> and they'd come up and give them to me, give them back to me. And oh, I'm my like, God, you dropped this. And, and I'm like, no, yes, I, know, I know, I dropped this. I wanted it there. <laughs> Thank you. Or we would have a... That's very funny. 
we would have a line to measure CISA, how long it was, and the little kids would mess with the line. So that's the main difference, I think, is just, like, area and what kind of divers we're teaching. Like, are you teaching people that are just getting off work, or are you teaching people that are chill and they're on vacation? And I think there's a difference in how you talk to them if they're on vacation and have limited time yes. versus, and, and how you think about teaching those classes. If they have limited time they're on vacation versus if they live in San Diego yeah. and maybe there's more opportunities for remediation mm-hmm. and makeups and extra pool sessions before you head to the ocean. Yeah. And so I would say at the end of the day, I think that both areas produce great divers no, I just we produce think, better divers. <laughs> I mean, you know, I do. That, that's, like, that's my stuck up San Diego. Yeah, but I do like I, I have immense respect for all the shops that I worked for in Costa Rica. Um, but I do think that there is more time for people to really get things and master things when they're not worried about finishing something because they're on vacation or yeah. they're in a destination. Yeah. Um, so I do think that that is great. A big thing with like warm water versus cold water is the wetsuit. And it's something that I had to get used to big time was using the seven mil. I remember I was in the seven mil on one of my first days in San Diego and I really jumped into teaching. I didn't have a lot of just recreational practice beforehand. And I was doing equipment removal and replace underwater with two students in a seven mil in my seven mil for the first time Mm -hmm. and I started popping right up and so in front of these students they saw me like realize like oh I might have messed up here and I didn't get pulled away from my rag or anything like that I pulled it down and I was able to get back in but it wasn't but it wasn't effortless whatsoever (laughs) and so when we popped up I was like so I think we should all try that again. I think mm-hmm. we should. <laughs> and, you know, I realized my mistake immediately, and I was able to help them afterward for sure. But that was, like, a big wake-up call for me. The kick-out was a huge wake-up call for me. Um, I had never done a shore dive before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is going on? I had never put my fins on in the surf before. I had to switch from clip fins to a bungee behind my oh, fin. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a huge wake-up call just going from teaching and diving in warm water, tropical water, off of boats, um, no wetsuit, to a 7 mil and 16 pounds of weight mm-hmm. and surf and all of it. So, I actually, you bring up a good point with the, with the, weight remo- or the gear remove and replace because I want to talk about integrated weights. The dive industry is moving to integrate weights into your BCD. Mm-hmm. That's every BCD that comes out now has the integrated yeah. weight pouches, right? It's it's pretty pretty much universal that it's, that's the it's direction. Pretty standard, yeah. That's the direction the industry is moving. Um, but in our scuba review, mm. in my scuba review that you ended up becoming a part of, and yeah. by the way, I will give you the uh, referring search for those. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, you did. You helped. So we had a couple of people using a weight belt and, and bcds that were 20 years and, old. and bcds that were older and and <laughs> you know i had to think back to when i was getting certified to remember how to use a weight belt because way i back in the day way back in the day because i hadn't used a weight belt in 10 years um so you know 
Oh, and when we I were doing like, emergency weight drop. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, well, so what's interesting is that for some it's easier with integrated weights and for some it isn't. Yeah. So if, if you're the type of person that's only ever dove weight belts, you're very comfortable removing and, and, yeah. and dumping a weight belt and putting it back on. Yes. But if it's been a while, like, you'd be, like it would be if you're in a scuba review, yeah. dealing with a weight belt, especially when I ask you, all right, so we're going to practice – uh, it, I usually leave it as the last skill of the night because the skill is to re remove, release, and dump your weight so you become buoyant on the surface without the use of a BCD. Um, so when I ask you to remove that weight belt, if you didn't do a good buddy check or you haven't been thinking about a weight belt in a while, you may have put your weight belt on in such a way that it's difficult to remove. Mm. Or the other thing that could happen is you take that weight belt off and you drop it on your own foot. And that's, Seen it. that's not or you fun. drop it on the dive master. You drop it on the dive. Well, <laughs> dropping it on the dive master is their own fault. They shouldn't be there. The dive master should be paying better attention. So that's, uh, you know what? I have no I kind of look at the dive master and I just give him a, eh, sorry. sorry. Just, just a shrug. Eh, whatever. Um, but, you know, I like, I like my integrated weights because they're obviously easy. They're, uh, they're easy yeah. to take off. They're easy to deal with. But. Something I noticed actually in this most recent scuba review is that it's easier to put a weight belt back on oh, in the water yes. than it is to put the integrated weights back into their pouches because with the weight belt, you have one piece well, that you need to get around you, whereas with the weight belt, with the, uh, integrated weights, you sort of need two hands to put each pocket back into the BCD. And you have two things in your hands. So you have to sort of do this juggling act but let's, with the pouches and the pockets. It's It's... There's a there's a trick to it, obviously, but um, if if you're not used to it, it, it became a very interesting scene. Well, and that brings me back to warm water versus cold water. Yeah. Because in warm water, that was never an issue. Oh, so you know, you're not wearing a lot of weight. <laughs> you're wearing like, I you're mean, a the, 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 uh, yeah, I mean the most. So I didn't wear any weight in the pool. Right. None. And then in the ocean, I only wore four pounds without a wetsuit, and so. And I know, like, even my instructor in the pool, he only wore eight pounds. Yeah. And so, like, putting just that one four-pound back in, it was, like, nothing. Yeah. And then the same with, like, gear removal and replacement. That was one of the easiest skills yeah. in my IDC. Right, because you're and not wearing any weight. weight removal and replacement, yeah. one of the easiest skills in my IDC. Well, if you're doing gear removal and replace with a weight belt, you don't fly away because the weights are still attached to you. Oh. If you're doing it with integrated weights, the weights are not attached to you when you take your BCD off. They're attached to the BCD, so you mm. fly away. So it's something that has made certain skills easier and certain skills harder. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. In the summer when it's warm, I wear the wetsuit mainly because when I get out of the pool, I'm super cold. So if I yeah. keep the wetsuit on, I have some insulation. Uh, in the pool, we, 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 were, we work in a heated pool, so we don't need it. But um, in the summer... When it's hot, I don't wear a wetsuit. I might wear a rash guard or something like that, but I don't wear a wetsuit. So when I'm working in the summer, I won't wear any weight, which makes the scuba, the BCD removal replace a lot of fun. But it also means that if I forget to fill my tank and I'm running on half a tank to start with, I get a little floaty oh, at the end and, you know what and I that's just, hilarious. You know what I just thought about? What's that? People that don't have to use the pool and they can use like a platform or like a like nice, a confined, open a confined water. ocean oh. 
I bet they're so lucky. Oh, and the because, weights, because they know because to change the their conditions weights. are the exact same. They, yeah, they don't have they, to change their weights. They get to practice with the exact weight that mm-hmm. they're going to be actually diving in mm. and the exact wetsuit compilation that they will be diving yeah. in. Yeah. No, that I, yeah, I hadn't I thought about that. I never thought about jealous. that, but that's so lucky. Uh. That Man. is lucky. That yeah. is super lucky. Oh, well. <laughs> um, one last thing I want to touch on on styles versus standards is deep water entries. Most boats nowadays, with the exception of some, uh, have both a swim platform on the back and a rail that you can do a back roll off. So you can do a back roll or a giant stride. What's, mm. your, what's your favorite? I wouldn't, so I wouldn't say most boats. I, most of the boats I've been on recently. Let's... Okay, so most of the boats you've been on recently, as in Hawaii... Tahiti and San Diego. All right, Fiji, Fiji, Hawaii, okay. Fiji, San Diego, and Mexico. Okay, so let me just so in Costa Rica, mm. my entire training was off of a small ponga boat. So you're doing back rolls back all the time. The entire time, yeah. like I had done a giant stride before, but then when I got to my IDC and my IE, we went off a boat with a platform, and so that was like the first time I had done a giant stride. Are you in, serious? In a while. Oh man. And so it was fine. I mean, we taught it in the pool, yeah. so that was fine. But we did back rolls every other day, so that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, like I haven't done a giant stride off of a boat in a long time. But so, and then in Belize, we did a back roll. And so, I don't know. So what I'm hearing is I'm just spoiled and I need to go to other places. You're spoiled and you need to go on smaller boats. I need to go on smaller boats. <laughs> so, but my question stands, which is your favorite? Back roll or giant stride? Mm, back which roll. You, you like back roll Back better? roll, like 100%. I'm yeah. a big, I'm big team back roll. I love back rolls. I know. They're so much more fun. But I did, so I love back roll, but I had a terrible experience with a back roll that was completely my fault. Oh no. It didn't put me off of it, but it made me a lot more cautious. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? We were doing self-reliant. Okay. And in, self-re- in self-reliant, you have a tank on the back, and then you have a pony bottle, right. or you have the two tanks on the back, you know, but usually you would have a pony bottle mm-hmm. and then a, like, 80 on the back, yeah, the, something the, like that. Okay, yeah. so I'm, so to do a back roll with that, you really have to hold on to the pony in between your legs. So you hold on to the pony bottle so in the face. between your thighs and you hold on to it and then your like other hand is holding on to the mask, yeah. right? But the big thing is that you grip that with your thighs so that it doesn't hit you in the jaw. I had just gotten back from a trip and I was like hanging out with my friends. We hadn't seen each other in a while. We're totally joking around, totally messing around on the boat. And captain says, okay, roll off, like chill out. So I roll off mid-laugh. Obviously, I'm not holding on to the pony. I am not paying attention. The bo- the pony comes up and hits me right in the jaw. Ugh. Yeah, it was awful. Tank and my, valve to the face. And I come up, and my instructor is like, well, I hope you start paying more attention from now on. Ouch. He was like, yeah, let's try to be more self-reliant. Pay attention, why don't you? So... <laughs> I have a similar story. Mine's actually a little more embarrassing than that. Um, I was sitting on the rail. We were, I was in Fiji. I was on a dive boat. I've been on this boat for like three days or so already. And I'm sitting on the rail. I'm fully geared up. I'm ready to go. And there, we're at, sort of at the destination. And the guy's just sort of puttering around waiting for us to finish the briefing. So the briefing ends. 
and I'm like, I'm on the rail. I'm so ready. This is going to be like one of my favorite dives, like one of the best dives. Everyone says, this is the dive. You got to do this. So I'm so ready. I am. I got my camera. <laughs> I got my gear on. I am ready to go. I'm waiting. And you have I'm so waiting much gear. For the go. I'm waiting for the go signal. And I am, I am stoked beyond belief. And I hear the captain go, okay. And I'm like, perfect, done, gone. And I go, I back roll off. <laughs> What'd you do? I come up. And the captain's like, why did you do that? We're oh. not ready. We're like, oh, I, the engine's not off. Like, you know, And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I heard you say, okay. And he goes, yeah, I was saying, okay, everybody sit down. Oh my gosh. You were just too excited. And I was so excited. And I was, and, and in that moment I go, oh my God. I, I can am, totally picture, so embarrassing. I can picture this whole thing. Oh, so embarrassing. And he throws me a rope and he goes, well, guess what? Now you're, we're just going to tow you. So yeah. he threw me a rope and like I'm 30 feet behind the boat, just hanging on for dear life. Yep, no, that's they told me to the dive site. I have had like, it happen to me before. I get back on after the dive. We do this whole dive, and the whole time I'm thinking this guy's gonna roast me when I get back up. <laughs> and I get back on the boat, and I'm like, I am so sorry. Like I, you know, I was super excited you about the to dive. Tip like I wasn't, extra. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I like should have waited for you to give me like the actual okay that it's okay to get in the water. He goes. No, 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 I'm just messing with you. We were at the dive site. I just took you in a big circle. No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was just screwing with me. He was totally screwing with That's me. That's awesome. And I was just oh. like, bro, you made me feel so, like, I, that I, like, I wasn't really thinking about it during the dive, but on the safety stop and the ascent the whole time, all I could think of was this guy is going to kill me. I might get kicked off the boat. Like, this is so bad. And, a, and he was just messing with me. I love, I love the dive industry. So oh my much. god, you know, and and I I did tip him. Really, you know what? I I tipped him. I the way I tipped him, I gave him a wetsuit. <gasps> you gave him a wetsuit? Yeah, the wetsuit. Because so the wetsuit I brought to Fiji, um, it was sort of I was planning on retiring it. Yeah. And I told I earlier in the week I told him I was yeah. like, hey, you know, I'm planning on retiring this wetsuit. It might just go to pool duty, or I might just throw it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too bad. It's a pretty good wetsuit. Like you shouldn't do that. You should you should hold on to it. And I thought about that. I was like, you know, I really don't want to fly back with it because it's, yeah. uh, it, I, I had I had packed to the limit of my bags. Um, so I was like, I don't really want to fly back with it. Yeah. And, you know, he said, oh, it's a good wetsuit. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to offer it to him. I'm just going to say, hey, would, do you want it? And he goes, yeah, I would love it. My brother, my brother, oh, he needs one. He, he needs a wetsuit. I would love to have it. And I'm like. Perfect. It's yours. And that's then I, awesome. And then I, you know, then I tipped out the whole dive shop. Anyway, we'll do an episode on on, on all that. traveling and tipping and whatnot. But um, yeah, so that that's my deep. That's my back roll. Entry oh my story. gosh. Well, um, but if this tells you anything, like everybody has a different way yeah. that they do back roll. Everybody has a different way, like deep water, and you know, yeah. As long as you're safe and you're meeting standards, it is what it is. And especially, yeah. you know, there are some people that don't do either and they mm-hmm. get in and they have gear handed to them because they have like some kind of leg or lower body disability. And Injury so, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just like whatever way you can get in the water and do it safely. Yeah. I think that's great. Just go for it. All right. So let's wrap this up. Yeah. I... I've really enjoyed this conversation. I this think, has been a fun one. yeah, no, I think it's been good, and I think it's been really helpful for both of us because yeah. every time we do a podcast, I learn something new about you and something new about your dive experience, and so, and it's always helpful. Yeah, and same, same with you. And, and, I, and I feel like you know because I'm a brand new instructor, I'm just every time I talk to you, I'm like, all right, what can I take away from this? Yeah, but I also think you know you have a, like maybe like. 
20 more dives than me. That's so possible. yeah, so maybe, you know, I learn a little bit every time yeah. I talk to you too. And we will be taking up some of your 300th dive suggestions. Um, so to close it out, in a future episode, we're going to be talking to the manager of our dive shop about yeah. just what that, like how, how a dive shop runs, what we as instructors and staff can do to you know, help sell gear, help yeah, sell like classes, retail, help sell trips, yeah. all that kind of stuff, how we can integrate better with the shop. Yeah. So we want to hear from you guys. What do you like about your dive shop? What works really well? What, you know, what, how do they interact with you? Uh, you know, the classes that they offer, the stuff that they offer. So tell us what you like about your dive shop. Yeah. And I would also just say like, how does your dive shop run? Because yeah. our dive shop in San Diego runs completely differently than a lot of tropical destination dive shops as well. Um, so yeah, just like, what is your part? Do you do retail? Do you do rental? Yeah. Do you do all of it because you're in a tropical destination and you are all of the above and that's your full-time seven-day-a-week job? Um, yeah, so just yeah. let us know how things run in your part of the world. And we will definitely mention um, whatever you guys tell us. We will mention it on some future episode. Yeah, so as always... Subscribe, give us comments. Like, su- comment, subscribe. Thank you follow guys. the Instagram, follow follow the podcast. Yeah. And we'll we'll see you guys soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome we're, back. <laughs> we're so excited to be back. Here we are recording just after vacation and after quite a few classes yeah, that we, you've had we have some cleanup to do so welcome to dive five we're calling this dive our no fly time uh we're talking about traveling all the things that we think about when we go abroad but before we do that um first off i want to thank you guys i know miles does too we hit 200 listens Woo! 200 of you <laughs> have decided to make us a part of your dive life and we could not be more excited to uh to share our experiences with you guys and to be excited that you guys are sharing this part of, uh, of your day with us. So thank you. Yeah, we've had multiple people reach out to us saying, when's the next podcast coming on? And it just makes my day when I get messages like that or even people messaging us and saying, hey, this is a great idea for your podcast. You should add this in. Or when are you guys going to talk about this? And so I, I love it. I love that you guys are excited about it. You're interacting with it. And yeah, keep sending us yeah. messages. Keep contacting us. Give us all your ideas. Yeah, always hit us up on Instagram. Uh, we both we both see it. So, uh, you know, we're stoked to continue sharing sharing diving with you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I have to hand the floor over to Miles because, <laughs> as you may have heard from previous episodes, all Miles episodes. and <laughs> and all the episodes because it's been a little bit of a big thing for 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 you I know yeah uh, Miles and producer Caleb went to Bali to Indonesia yes we so did. The, Miles the floor is yours tell us about it well it was amazing I think I could talk for the whole episode about it but I'll try to cut it down um, so yeah so we did most of our diving in Gili Trawangan which is actually a part of Lombok which is the island that's next to Bali. It's all still Indonesia, but Gili Trawangan does have quite a few differences than like compared to Bali and Nusa Penida. The Nusa Penida Islands are attached to Bali. So in Gili Trawangan, you see a lot more turtles. You get, yeah, so I saw a ton of green turtles compared to in Bali and then off of Nusa Penida. 
I'm giving Miles the, ooh, yeah, I like yeah. <laughs> So many. No, please keep up on our Instagram because soon, hopefully soon, we will be posting a lot of video footage from those dives. Um, but yeah, back to that. So Gili Trewingen, it has a lot of differences in the wildlife and what you see there, the diving, as well as the culture on Gili Trewingen. So it's actually a Muslim country and then Bali is Hindu. And so that was really neat to see two different cultures. Oh, cool. So you, so you went to both Bali and Gili Trewingen. So you were, you were in both places at, at, at some point during, Ye during this trip. Yes. So I was, um, we did quite a bit of traveling around. So we flew into Bali and then we took a very interesting boat ride over to Gili Trewingen. It's not an easy boat ride. I felt very claustrophobic and you smell gas for a lot of it. So just beware if you <laughs> if you do this trip, if you go on those boats, I highly recommend sitting on the top and just wear a long sleeve shirt so that you don't sunburn, but sit on the top so that you don't smell the gas as much. But yeah, um, so yeah, I saw a lot of turtles. Caleb actually did an adventure dive with um, Trewangan Dive when we were there. It was awesome. Highly recommend them. Um, we had a great experience Shout diving. Shout out Trewangan Dive. Yeah, Trewangan Dive. Definitely look them up. If you're going to go to Gili Trewangan, if you're diving in Bali, I highly recommend. Um, super professional, really organized. Um, yeah. I found so what was the adventure dive that he did? So we went deep. I really wanted to do a deep dive. I yeah. wanted to go down to a ship, a shipwreck that was there. And so it was at 90 or so feet. Nice. And so yeah, Caleb was like, well, I really want to go with the two. And they said, oh, we'll just do the adventure dive with you. I'll have another instructor go. You'll do a couple skills before and after briefing. And yeah, you'll Sweet. have one adventure dive down. So... Talk through like the diving. So what kind of dives, how many dives were you doing per day? Like what were the coolest things you saw? Talk us through, you know, okay. a lot of us haven't been to diving okay. in Indonesia. Okay. All right. so, so talk us through the diving. Yeah. So it was really cool. I guess like from start to finish of my day, we woke up and went to the dive shop, got there around 8.30. We hooked up with our either instructor or dive master that we had for that day. Um, they gave us a little briefing. We checked our gear and then got on the boat around 9 a.m. Um, went out and all the sites on Gilly Trewangan are just right around there. I mean, the boat ride is seriously like five minutes, sometimes 15. So 15 minutes oh, or less awesome. for every site. That's great. Truly, they could be shore dives, but it would be kind of so a long kick. Um, turns into a La Jolla Shores kick out. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, uh, one so, of the sites really would be like a 20-minute kick out, and you could do it just from the shore. You could almost call it a house reef. Yes, exactly. I think you definitely could. So, that was really interesting. I had never been on boat dives that were so short. Um, yeah, so, can you pause it? Yeah. 